The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, it is crypto hell, with Bitcoin having its worst quarter since 2011. But there is one coin Brian Kelly says is going to the moon, and it's not Bitcoin. He'll tell us what that is. Plus, in defense of Facebook, a top analyst on Wall Street coming out saying this might be your best chance to buy the social media giant despite the controversy. What is he looking at that others aren't? He will be here. But first, we start off with the market rally. The Dow surging nearly 400 points today at the highs despite the drama this week. The Dow and S&P managing to end in positive territory. And even the most hated stocks this week having a reversal of fortune along with the broader markets. Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, even bonds rallying hard. So we are going to start with a simple question tonight. Do you trust this market bounce? Do you fade it or you trade it? Guy. I don't think you fade it. I don't necessarily trust it, but I'll say this. That 2585 level held up. You had a strong, you had a strong day today, albeit it sold off late in the day. I know month end, you can give a lot of reasons, quarter end. But again, at least if nothing else, the last couple weeks gave you something very steadfast to trade against in terms of the S&P at that 2585 level that Steve Grosso talked about. So the bounce to me should be trusted in the short term. In terms of individual stocks, last night we said there was a chance Amazon would trade down to 1300, got down to 1365 today. The reversal on Amazon to me was extraordinarily impressive, I think. And I said it last night. I think they will report a great quarter because they can. So out of all the names you can mention in terms of do I trust mm -hmm. it, that one sort of sticks out to me the most. How much was this just quarter end kind of shenanigans? I, I tell you what, I think there's shenanigans. I think the volumes were, were, were light. I think some stuff was very oversold. If you look at the relative strength indicators, which we try not to talk too much about, but frankly, momentum in markets, especially this market, when we were at a record up day or the third best point day ever for the Dow on Monday, and then on Tuesday we had a death-defying fall. And The, the point is that, that markets have gotten to a place where, one, technicals have been important. And I think oversold conditions have led to places where there's a relief. There was really nothing on the political calendar. There was very little that I think could have gotten in the way in terms of Washington, although that is something that you asked the question, um, do you believe that this is the bounce to buy? Um, the good news here for me is that I think market participants have become much more negative. That's what I think we've needed to see. I think there was way too much complacency two months ago. Um, but no, I don't, I, I don't say that Monday morning you come back in, you buy with two hands. I think, by the way, it's going to be quiet next week, too. Well, what bounce? I mean, we were up today, but for four days, we've been in this huge, huge trading range. I mean, if you look at it just on a one-day basis, you go, oh, wow, what a big day. But then you go back two days ago, we had a huge down day. So I don't think there's any bounce whatsoever, so there's nothing to trust. And again, I don't think you have to buy into this market until it proves itself, until it wants to go and do something. This is a deep end of the pool when it comes to trading. We have a lot of cross-currents. Bonds are rallying. What if they reverse? Maybe things get better. What about South Korea? What about North Korea? We don't know any of these things, so why would 
would you take that risk when you're having days that are going up and down and up and down? It's nauseating. So are you negative then? I mean, you sound uh, no, I negative. call myself neutral, right? I you mean, call yourself neutral? If anything, no, it if anything. It sounds more negative, quite frankly, because when, when I look at what really rallied today, it made sense to me what rallied today. Some of the technology names, particularly the names that weren't in the high multiple category, we talked about it yesterday, actually had a pretty impressive day today, whether it's Intel or Microsoft or some of those kind of names moving to the upside. We did get a couple of earnings that almost got overlooked by everybody today. PVH and Constellation crushed it. Mm -hmm. And I think as we get closer and closer, earnings season kicking off, the financials will kick off in about two weeks. That's when I think the focus comes right back on the fundamental story, which is, is there growth? My answer is basically yes. And is this something that's going to accelerate through the rest of the year? My answer is yes. So I don't know that necessarily this wasn't just a little bit about painting the tape somewhat, going to the end of the quarter. But I still think that there were names out there and there are segments out there in the market that actually were bought for the right reasons. And some of those were financials as well. So let's take a look at some of the individual moves on the week because they have been extraordinary. I mean, yep. in terms of the volatility that we've seen. And part of this bounce that we saw in today's market has a lot to do with the bounce that we saw in today's session in Amazon as well as Facebook and some of these tech names that had been just dogged, just slaughtered this right. week. So Amazon, we saw Amazon that bounce today. And it, and it opened pretty poorly. Yeah. And it managed to turn things around. Yeah, I mean, so Amazon, as I said, traded down, I think, to 1365 or so on the lows. Last night, again, we were talking about a 50% correction from that levels we saw in July to the recent all-time high. Got you around 1300 In my world, 1365 is probably close enough for government work. And again, at least it gives you something to trade at. I understand what BK is saying. But if you just look at the S&P technicals, where we stopped and where we bounced off of, you know, that was pretty impressive. We had every opportunity to bludgeon it. They were not able to. Again, I get that it's quarter end, but it wouldn't surprise me to walk in on Monday, see this market higher, and you have a couple days of continued so, strength to the so other. You trade Amazon. Clear. You trade Amazon. That's the bottom line? I, well, I will say this. I think the low <laughs> might have been put in until earnings. I do think earnings on April 20th or thereabouts will be very good because they can make them very good. Uh. So just to be clear, I'm not negative on this market necessarily. If anything, I'm looking to buy, but I would just rather have the market prove it to me after we've had this huge down amount, down days or down month or so before I get in. So, and the other thing is, if we broke lower, then I'd be a big buyer. But, but guys, you know, Mel, you appropriately brought up these story stocks. So with it's Tesla, Netflix, Because Amazon, I'm sitting at home. And, and I've seen a crazy volatile week. I see a bounce in today's session, and I think up. to myself, do I worked buy up, it or up. do I sell it? Do I trade it? Do I fade it? What do you say, well, Amazon? What, what I tell you on Amazon is uh, I think the story stock, number one, the, the feature story stock at least has some hair on it. The hair on it is regulatory, whether it's legit or not. There are reasons why I think people uh, are somewhat fearful of Washington. Two, you should always have been fearful about the valuation. What you're seeing in this marketplace is people are unwilling to look past multiples anymore for companies that don't have free cash flow. How about Tesla? Yeah. We're going to get the delivery numbers in the next few days. And quite honestly, I still don't think those matter. I mean, I, I, I know that there's disagreement. I know you and I probably disagree on. on that. Yeah, <laughs> disagree on that. But I think the reality is more of the financial issues that they face. And can they go back to the capital markets? Are they going to be able to? And I think those are a far bigger concern for me. I mean, production numbers, how many times has he missed on that? I mean, countless times, right? I mean, so that's less of an issue. They need to raise wait, money. Wait, wait, Hasn't the environment of the market, the context of the market changed this week to where people are looking at fundamentals, right? They are scrutinizing. There's things. never they been fundamentals in the Tesla story. No, though. exactly. Yeah. But all of a sudden, there had never been fundamentals necessarily to the Amazon story in terms of valuation or the Netflix story in terms of valuation. And all of a sudden, this week, there was. Yes. For Tesla, all of a sudden, this week, 
there was. Suddenly the multiples, people so, started caring about that. But you're still saying people will, will forget I, I about the delivery yeah, numbers. Yeah, there's never been numbers there in terms of what they are making. That, that, that's just the fact. I mean, they have not been there. But it's not been about the productivity. It's about the dream. And that's what people have been literally investing in forever in Tesla because what else has there been? Right. And he's done these capital raises every time he's done one. They've been able to see that stock actually start to react back up to the positive. You want to buy the capital raise on Tesla. You want to buy that with both This hands. time, too, though? Yeah, this time absolutely. Okay. Right. So, yeah. so I would imagine, I would imagine that you would trade, you would trade the bounce too. that we saw in today's market. <laughs> Sorry, if yes. you're a buyer you the ca on the capital raise, yes, and I'm assuming would, you're talking about if they did an equity issuance. Yes, exactly. That you would well, buy frankly, that. even if they did a bond issuance you at, buy the, that at as that well. time. Either way, they're recapitalizing, and then so the story of that they have to raise capital is done, right? And I agree with Pete. It's not done. But, it's still well, not well, done until the next one. Are you well, kidding of course, me? But, but this, well, there will be a done. Right, but this, this is, is a company that's going to maybe deal. get to 2500 Maybe they're going to tell you it's 750 but it's going to be but 25 But this is a venture capital deal. That's the way you have to look at this. They're going to continue a venture capital deal where you've had major turnover in the C-suite, where you've got a CEO whose behavior is starting to get more erratic than ever. A CEO is taking the birth. Of the story from here to this. I don't know if it's more erratic. Look yeah. how wide that is. I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, that's the Tesla story right now. I don't it's think not that Elon Musk is You guys trade Tesla. You fade this yeah. bounce. What do yeah. you say, guys? I, I would say this. I think 280 was my number. A close above 280, get back in the pool. Otherwise, I think... I thought today's reversal was impressive, but it was not nearly impressive, in my opinion, as some of the other names. So I would rather buy the breakout above 280 than the Here's the question for you, though. The reversal in Amazon was almost the identical same to same the Tesla yeah. reversal. It's the same right? chart. Yeah. Look at Netflix. No, You've true. got the same chart. Right, right. I mean, they all did that. And I think that's the market. And that's the point here. When the market, the tidal wave of capital and bullishness yeah. falls over this market, right. everything's great. When that wave comes back to shore, you, you see, see the wreckage the on the field. It's right. gnarly, guy. Yeah. Yeah. It is very gnarly. Crawling through the wreckage, a Dave Edmonds song, Mel. Nice. Yeah. 1980. I have no Rock idea pile. what you're talking Rock about. Pile. What I do want to talk about <laughs> is the week that we have seen in bonds, because the stock Let's market finished flat basically for the week. Bonds finished higher. What does that tell you? Does that worry <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, which again, market do you believe? Yeah, again, we've had this massive volatility in the equity market, so it would be natural to say, hey, you know what? I don't want the, the volatility in the equity market. Bonds are offering a relative value at these yields. Why wouldn't I reallocate to that area? So you don't even necessarily need to have a big equity market sell-off to make bonds more attractive. And there, therein lies the issue here is let's just say the economy starts, everything gets going again, right? And we're not worried about anything. Then you have to be worried about, okay, higher rates, how much are they going to take away from equity? So, you know, I, I wouldn't be buying bonds here at all. If anything, I'd be fading bonds. Be fading them. How about you guys? Tim said it for a while, and I think he's right. People are on the wrong side of this bond trade, without question. It was unanimous that rates were going higher. Clearly, that's not yeah. the case. Now, I don't want to pretend that I know what the yield curve, when it matters, if it matters. Quite frankly, at 50 basis points, it's getting interesting. The one rate that does matter is LIBOR, and that goes up every day for the last two and a half months. That, at a certain point, <laughs> is going to pose a problem. I think there's a couple things that the bond market needs to think about. They, they include this, first of all, this was a record week in terms of U.S. Issuance. Treasury issuance. Mm -hmm. This is actually really impressive if, in fact, bond bonds effectively rallied this week, although on the short end of the curve, they gave a little ground. Um, the ECB, if anything, has been more dovish this week. You've had three weeks of macro data around the world, which hasn't been terribly good. You've had confidence data that's been getting weaker. So, I mean, I think there's ammunition on the economic side. You've had GDP for the first quarter getting downgraded slightly. So, uh, I think it's at least we're getting some great tunes, at least in, in my year. I, maybe yeah, someone's yeah. telling me to stop to talking. Like, okay. Well, the Oscars are off. People are on the wrong side of the Wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right. <laughs>
Coming up, speaking of reversal of fortune, check out NVIDIA rallying back hard today. And Jim Cramer just spoke to the CEO. He had something fascinating to say about Bitcoin. And speaking of Bitcoin, it's been a quarter from hell for the cryptocurrency, down more than 40% from the December highs. It's about to break below 7,000. But Brian Kelly here says a Bitcoin resurrection is ahead. He'll explain why he's so wow. bullish. Plus, it is opening day. And Guy Dami is getting ready to step up to the plate to pitch one controversial stock he thinks is going higher. You're watching Fast Money. We're live in New York City's Times Square. We've got much more fast right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money Retail, having a red-hot week, and that kicks off our top trades. Check out the XRT, the retail ETF, gaining more than 3% in this short week. Some of these department store names moving higher include Macy's, Kohl's, and Nordstrom. So is it time to go shopping for these stocks, Tim? Well, it is, especially if you want to look at the XRT overall, which doesn't really have major weightings in these names. We've talked about the breakdown of that ETF before, and it's, it's, it's very small. It's a smattering of those. But the department store names, Pete talked about earnings being a catalyst. The department stores are going to show you first quarter numbers that were, I think, extraordinary. In other words, they came out of the holiday season. We got guidance. We've actually had same store sales updates. And I think you, you actually are in a very good place to be staying long these trades. Uh, something like Macy's has done a very defensive job during a, a big pullback. Now, there's a stock held some pretty key levels, high 28s and whatnot. XRT traded down to 42 and change at 41 and a half. Very strong support. I like retail here. I do, too, and I like, I, I like some of the discounters. You know TJX is going to come up. But Maximista. I'm a Maximista. I'm in there all the time, and I know what's going on there, and that's where I see a lot of Under Armour, which is why I fade that stock all the time because it's yep. filled on the shelf. Yep. Yep. But Target's another one of those names, too, that I find to be as interesting as ever. It's at 69. It was all the way up towards 80. It's that pulled was one back. of your pitches, correct? It's been a pitch, and I yeah. still like that. I think they have the growth going forward. Is that shirt from TJ Maxx? Uh, I'd love to say yes, yeah, but no, unfortunately. It's a great-looking shirt. I would have got a better price for it. That but, wasn't a ticket. That was but a Target was shipped. That has made a big difference in what they're doing going forward. Yeah. I mean, that that really, it's it's very and similar I, to what Walmart I remember Walmart that pitch, and I said, you're a spot on, and I still think you are. I think Target's Good at man. the same place that Walmart was almost yes. a year ago, where they have the potential to, or they're going to turn around their e-commerce. They're going to turn around all these things. So there's that promise there. So in the retail space, I'd much rather be in Target than actually in Walmart, which I've owned through most of the year, don't own any well. Better valuation at Target. Yeah. Self, yeah. would you rather? Got yeah, exactly. You, you do that? He does it all the people time. People do it all the time. <laughs> people do it left and right. I have no control over these people sometimes. They do what they please. Self-control. Whatever you want to talk about. Please, we're all sitting right here. <laughs> Macy's, I, I, I'm, I'm, listen, we talked about Macy's. It seemed to have troughed about three or four months ago. 24% short interest. Valuation is reasonable. Don't report until May. It's a name like, do you want to be short and watch this thing continue to grind higher? My answer would be no. Listen, a lot of $31 price targets, I think it goes higher than that. Letter M gets you there. Are we going to hear about the tax refunds in, this, in the next quarter? I know the retailers are a little bit off in terms of their reporting, but is that going to help? I, I think it certainly should be something that helps these guys. When the tax rates come through, these guys are certainly as well positioned as anybody on their effective tax rates to get a benefit. Um, I, I think it's about who's really benefiting. It should be their consumers, their, their customers. All right, coming up. It's been a wild ride for NVIDIA this week, and Jim Cramer just sat down with the CEO moments ago. He just said something very interesting about crypto. We'll bring you those comments. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That's how Bitcoin investors have felt this quarter. But BK says there's one cryptocurrency that's about to moon. He'll tell us what it is. Plus, Guy is bringing the heat, pitching one stock that's up over 60% in the last year. And when you hear the name, you might be shocked. That's when Fast Money returns.
It is indeed Bitcoin's quarter from hell. The cryptocurrency down a whopping 47% so far this year on track to close its worst quarter since 2011. So what is behind this epic plunge? Bob Pisani is at the New York Stock Exchange with the details. Bob. Hi, Melissa. With Bitcoin down 50%, I guess you could call it the quarter from hell. Bitcoin fell 6% today on vague concerns that crypto investors will have big capital gains they need to pay by tax day and are selling to pay those taxes. Still, we are closing the quarter at the lowest level since early February for Bitcoin. What else went wrong this quarter? <laughs> we had regulatory pressure from the SEC, which said that not only ICOs, but also crypto exchanges should register with the SEC. Then major social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook and Google banned crypto ads. It was no better overseas. Mt. Gox, the now defunct Japanese exchange, sold over $400 million in Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. It still has more than $1.5 billion more possibly to go. Interest in Bitcoin is also way down. Google searches for the term Bitcoin peaked in mid-December and fell 75% since then. Bitcoin started the year with a value near $300 billion. It's now down to $127 billion. But it's not just Bitcoin. The total value of all cryptocurrencies has declined as well to about $280 billion. Again, half what it was at the start of the year. Now, analysts are all over the place on where Bitcoin is going. Fundstrat's Tom Lee has said right here on Fast Money, he's keeping his year-end price target at $25,000. Now, one of the widely cited reports came from Goldman Sachs analyst Steve Strong, and who said in February that most cryptocurrencies likely won't exist in five years. But that doesn't mean blockchain won't be a major disruptor and play a major role in the economy in the future. Back to you, Melissa, and have a happy Easter. Thanks, Bob. Oh, Same nice to you. Bob. All right. So as Bitcoin's hell rages on, is there a resurrection ahead? <laughs> BK's oh. at the plasma to break it all down. Take it uh, away, BK. I, I love the timely seasonal references. So let's take a look at Bitcoin first and see why, you know, where are we in this chart, right? So this is the last year going all the way back to May of last year, and we started to get that real ramp up. Now, blue line is the price of Bitcoin. The orange line is our proprietary fair value that we've come up with, and that's basically based on transactions. So you can see back here, beginning of the year, the blue line was below the orange line. That meant that Bitcoin was undervalued. Up here, when we got to 20,000, blue line above fair value, that meant that Bitcoin is overvalued. So here we are today. This was done a little earlier today. You have the fair value of Bitcoin now, about 73.85. My finger pen is not working, but about 73.85. So Bitcoin, when I just walked over here, was around 7,100. Uh, so it's slightly, slightly undervalued at this point in time. Now, I also want to look at Ethereum as well. This is the dawn. Whoa. <laughs> All right, some fun music there. Really uh, fantastic stuff. All right, let's take a look at Ethereum as well. So, again, back in May, you had this big undervaluation versus the fair value. Again, orange line is fair value. Back up here in December, you had massive overvaluation. So where are we now? Look at what's going on here. Ethereum, down at the $400 level-ish, is actually the most undervalued of the two big coins. So Ethereum right now trading about 400. Fair value is about $485. 
much more upside in this. Now let's go to the next chart where we show technically what this is looking at. I think if I hit this button there, we'll go to the next chart. And maybe the next chart won't, won't happen, or if I hit clear. Oh, there we go. All right. So look at this. This goes all the way back to April, May of last year. That's $400. Remember, it was resistance, resistance, resistance. We had that big run up. What happens when resistance is broken? It becomes support. So here we are right back at that level again. I've got technical support. I've got an undervalued asset. If there's a crypto I want to buy, it's this right here, and I did so today. Okay, so Brian, I was, you like to do this by yourself. I think you just did it before I got the question out. Would you rather Ethereum or Bitcoin? And is what's happened with the centralized platform over the last couple of weeks with Facebook as the poster child just great news for Ethereum? But it's fantastic news for Ethereum. That's exactly what you wanted right. because Ethereum is the new internet where you control your own uh, your own data. And I don't think until you had a crisis like Facebook had that the general public would understand it. So yes, agree. Great news for Ethereum. Given the two choices, if I had to buy one today, it would be Ethereum. But that's because it's undervaluation. So according to our trusty Ethereum bug, which we're putting up tonight, 388.50 is the level. Do you have any sort of price target in mind? Well, listen, I mean, these things are incredibly wild, right? But so 485 is fair value or at 400 now. So I'd certainly expect it to get to 485. It'll likely overshoot. So north of 500, I think, would be pretty easy as long as we get this bull market going again. All right. Thanks, speakers. My pleasure. I nibbled some Ethereum still? yesterday. You did? Which is the level I got in. Um, and, and I am a long-term holder here. It's not to say that I think Ethereum is, is the, necessarily the, the horse that rides to victory, but I do believe in the platform. I do believe in, in, to me, I'm not making as specific of a bet. I'm making a theoretical bet, I think, on what's going on in crypto land, which I'm fully in favor but of. But it's important to you, to for the coin or the currency, to actually have a platform which is being used. Yes, okay. that's right. Real quick question for you, Tim. What would shake you out? I know you said long-term, but... What would have to happen for you to say, you know what, I was wrong, I got in a little bit earlier than I should have, what's going to shake you? Well, one of the things that's giving Ethereum a lot of problem, and Brian's talked about this, is I think there's a sense that developers are having more issues here um, than, than they were. And so this was at least the, the platform of choice for developers. Mm -hmm. um, that could change quickly, and I think that would be, a, that would be the news. Sticking with crypto here, the NVIDIA CEO just sat down with Mad Money's Jim Cramer moments ago and said something very interesting about the cryptocurrency. Cramer will be here live to share those comments with us later on this hour. Plus, it is baseball's opening day and Guy Adami here hitting the pitcher's mound with the one stock he is calling a home run in Q2. But will the other traders agree? Find out when he delivers his fast pitch. Welcome back to Fast Money. Despite the semis bouncing today, the group is still hovering near correction territory, down just about 9% from its March highs. And check out some of the biggest players here. AMD down 36% from its high. Micron and Broadcom 18%. And NVIDIA closing just shy of correction territory, down 9%. So are these once high-flying chip stocks turning into a bargain buy, Pete? Yeah, I still think they're an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I, th I think Intel, I know you're in Intel. Yep. I love that name. I think they are doing what they need to do at all the right times, and they've prepared themselves going into the future. Micron as well. Acquisitions in the space, they've both done it, and they've both positioned themselves well for everything they are, cloud and mobile and everything else. I love the chips. I think most of them have traded an extremely cheap valuation. 
great cash flows, great cash on the balance sheets, and I, th I think that M&A is going to persist. A lot of people were hyped up on the chips because of the promise of autonomous drive, and that really came under question yeah. Yeah. this but week. Should we question the chips and the growth trajectory? Not for that. Not for uh, that. I mean, let's be clear, and, and Pete's talking about Micron and Intel. Those valuations are, are arguably very cheap relative yeah. to their peers. What's going on in the space is not just about autonomous. It's obviously AI across a lot of different spectrums. It's memory, uh, what we're seeing for prices, and NAND and DRAM is also very strong. Um, I think there's restocking going on, so I think you're buying weakness. All right. Speaking of the chips, we have got a Kramer alert. Mm. The mad Ooh, man yeah. himself, Jim Kramer, is here. He just spoke with the CEO of NVIDIA. Hi, Jim. Good to see you. Thanks um, for joining us. Listen, thank you so much for having me on. I just had a very exciting day for us here at Man Money. Absolutely. So the CEO said something really interesting about Bitcoin. Take a listen. Okay. Cryptocurrency will be here. The, the ability for the world to have a very low friction, low cost way of exchanging value is going to be here for a long time. And blockchain is going to be here for a long time. It's going to be a fundamental new form of computing. And so I expect blockchain, I expect, uh, expect um, cryptocurrency to be an important driver for GPUs. So I know Jim remembers this because he's got a mind like a steel trap. Mm -hmm. Our game that we like to play, Bitcoin stock or not. So the question is, is NVIDIA a Bitcoin stock or not? No. No. What is it then? No. Uh, it's an AI stock. It's, uh, whoa, okay, that too. No, it's, an, it's artificial intelligence. It's augmented reality. It's a healthcare stock. It's autonomous vehicles. Definitely, a, you know, they paused their cars, but not uh, their partner's cars. And it's really data center. And the data center's growing like mad. So when you go into a data center, it's all NVIDIA. Does it have an Ethereum component? Absolutely. Will that component not be as great this quarter as last quarter? Absolutely. But if that's what you're keen on, you're keen on the wrong line. How about chips in general? We certainly saw a sell-off. We were just talking about the scare in the autonomous drive space that really sparked a lot of the sell-off this week. Um, is there a buying opportunity out there in the chips? Yes. I, look, I think it's going to be, uh, when all said and done, I think this strategy is going to be on the hands of Uber. Uh, I didn't hear anything different from uh, Jensen Wong. Uh, Pete knows Pete's not bullish enough. We talked to Brian Krasanich about Intel. We know that he referenced Pete. I'm like thinking, Pete, I mean, Pete, uh, Pete. Yeah, Nigerian. How hey, I've raised my is target, that? Jimmy. I've raised my target to 70 because he made me reevaluate, and so now I'm going to say 70, not 60. So he's going to come up. on next week and tell you he's going to say 70, I see 75, 75, I see 80. <laughs> uh, I do like I do like the chip sector, but I also recognize we have one of the most treacherous markets I've ever seen. And you know, yesterday was one of those days where you couldn't look at it, and today's one of those days where you just said, "Wow, how great!" And I guess Monday's going to be the other way. And you know, look, my Chapel Trust owns Broadcom. Is there a worse worse act? stock, they better do a buyback. So there are some bad cracks within the semiconductor sector, uh, and Broadcom is really front and center because they people thought they needed to do an acquisition. Now people feel that maybe the president won't let them. Jim, last year the Eagles were under everybody's radar screen. Nobody gave them a shot. The Eagles, pff, Eagles come on. Uh, <laughs> nobody gave them a shot. Eagles win the Super Bowl. Now there's a bullseye on their back. NVIDIA a couple years ago. NVIDIA, this is just a graphics chip. Now everybody's talking about NVIDIA. Are you cool with the trading at 32 times forward earnings? And do they have to do everything exactly right for the stock to continue to go high? They don't, have to, do the they don't have to do anything more exactly right than Dell Barton, okay? 
I follow you. I follow you on Twitter. I know that Del Barton is like the Patriots. I know what's going on. Now, look, I mean, NVIDIA's come down. I'm not saying it's been de-risked. Look, I'm sure that that right now left is listening from Citron, and he is ready to say, you know what, this stock is really vulnerable. You know why? Because it is just vulnerable. And uh, that could take it down. Rigorous uh, <laughs> analysis. Hey, vulnerable because it's fun. You know, if, if, if it were really good, it wouldn't go down because he said it's vulnerable. Right? I mean, if we're really good, it would go up, even though he said it was vulnerable. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with right now, and it's fine. He's having a great time. He's out in California. He's enjoying himself. Good for him. All right, Jim. Great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Have a great long weekend. You too. Thank you, Melissa. We are looking forward to that interview. It is must-see for all you people invested in chips, and specifically NVIDIA, the CEO of NVIDIA. That's tonight on Mad Money, top of the hour. So. We go to the crypto baller here, the resident crypto baller on our desk, Brian mm-hmm. Kelly. Yep. NVIDIA, Bitcoin stock or not? You know what? Jim nailed this. It's not a Bitcoin stock, but it's an Ethereum stock. Different type of chip needed to uh, mine Bitcoin versus Ethereum. And the one thing I would say about if you're buying this for Ethereum, Ethereum may change the way they mine, where they're going to go to software mining from hardware mining. They're planning to do that this year, and you won't need these chips anymore. So there is an element to it, but be careful with it. Uh, back to the question that we posed to Jim, has NVIDIA been de-risked with this pullback that we saw this week? So, what do you think? Okay, so this may be sacrilege, uh, which is, we're weaving a lot of metaphors here um, for the weekend. <laughs> but it may be sacrilege to actually say, be careful, this is a story stock. And I think what we saw this week is that these stocks, even if they have very strong stories, NVIDIA I don't think has the same fundamentals as a couple other names we've mentioned. I think it's very clear. It's a very strong fundamental story, but I think the valuation is difficult. In a difficult market, that tape, that stock's going to suffer. All right, still ahead. It is the moment you have been waiting for. It is opening day, and Guy Dine is stepping up to the plate with a brand-new fast pitch he says is a home run. But will the traders agree? That is next. Plus, one Wall Street analyst saying that now is the time to buy Facebook. SunTrust Yusuf Scully will be here to make his case. Much more Fast Money still ahead. I'm not even going to try to sing this. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker, cracker Jacks. Jack. I don't I care don't if care. I ever get back because it is opening day for baseball. Nice. Eric Jeremy is live at City Field with all the details. Hey, Eric. How you doing? That's right. The game just ended a little while ago. The Mets won. They're 1-0 on the season. But MLB headquarters in Midtown Manhattan, they are looking at this year as another year to continue all the growth and momentum that they have seen recently. Record revenues over $10 billion last year. New sponsorship deals. The two last years, the last two World Series were the highest rated in this entire decade. And an exclusive new partnership with Facebook where they're going to stream 25 regular season games. They will not be on broadcast TV. It is the first of a kind deal for Major League Baseball. You do not see it in any of the other major sports leagues. Another thing that you're seeing, another innovation, subscription models for tickets. We're trying to get this younger audience. It's like Netflix. You pay one price for the month. You come and see all the games that you want to see. And another thing that the Mets started just today, another thing to reach millennials, is you buy a group ticket. 15 people, you come, you enjoy the lounge. There's no assigned seating. You have all the beer and the snacks that you want. There's even USB chargers for your phone. So I don't know if these innovations are going to be as good as whatever guys got pitching here in just a second. Back to you guys in the studio. <laughs> we shall see, Eric. Thank you. We you hear that shall guy? Innovation, see. innovation by the New York Mets, according to Eric. That is fantastic. Innova- and, yeah. I mean, that's their cutting edge, guys. USB ports. Tell you? Let's for go, your Mets. Phones. Nice job today. Are you going to say ball. something disparaging about the Mets? Because Tim is going to no, be very I'm not. upset the if Mets, you do. Listen, 
Hope Springs Eternal opening day. Enjoy it while it lasts there, Los Mets. <laughs> the most optimistic time of the year for Mets fans. You know what? Let him, let him have his way. Los I mean, Mets. Right. This is a time for being kind. Okay. So in perhaps the most literal thing we've done ever on this show, we are going to use opening day as a reason to hear a fast pitch, which is where one of our traders pitch a stop. Guy Dami is up in the bullpen. I'm going to stroll over to the, what do we call the plasma. plasma. Mm-hmm. To the ballpark. To the ballpark. And you know what? Listen, I'm going to pitch a stock. I'm going to, I'm sure this is going to cause a lot of casternation amongst some people out there, but the name of the stock I'm going to pitch is, pull it up right here, please, Win Resorts. Listen, I'm not commenting on Steve Wynn. I have no idea if he's guilty or innocent. Quite frankly, for the sake of this, it doesn't really matter. He just sold a stake in the firm. Wynn seems to have remove themselves from Mr. Wynn, which might be good, might be bad. I don't think it's an issue. What is an issue is compelling valuation. Stock trades around 18 times forward earnings for stuff, probably has a 20% EPS growth rate. This is a potential takeout play as well. Everybody says, you know, it's a Macau play, Macau play. Not so fast. Look at the McCarran Airport numbers for last month, up 4%. The real story here, aside from Macau, is what they're doing in Las Vegas. So, Obviously, there's been bad news in the stock, but quite frankly, in my opinion, the story never changed. I think Wynn is on solid footing. J.P. Morgan just raised their price target, I think, to 205 or so. I think there's a very good chance, if the tape is benign, you're going to see Wynn Resorts trade right up to the levels we saw before this all happened. McCarran Airport stats. Yeah. I mean, that's like really, you going to TJ Maxx to look at Under Armour sales. Stuff. That's impressive stuff. <laughs> hey, guys, real quick check. question for you. Yes, Pete. In terms of what we're seeing now, Steve Wynn, how old a guy was he, and was he sooner or later going to step down? I mean, did that play into what you think right now going forward when as well? Late that seven, old, listen, right. I think to answer that question, if this had happened 10 years ago, I think it would have been extraordinarily detrimental to the shares. I'm not certain it could have recovered, but I think right. you're at a point in the history of the company where Mr. Wynn was going to leave at some point anyway. I can't speak to the integrity of their bench, but again, I think this company is steadfast enough and is on strong enough footing where Mr. Wynn being there or not being there is really not a factor anymore. I think you're through the headline risk. He sold, sold his shares, I think, at $175 or so. That's your bogey, and I do think the stock is worth north of $200 a share. Guy, simple question. Just should this trade at a discount or a premium to LVS? In my, in my opinion, it should trade at a premium. I think Las Vegas Sands, the last I looked, was either side of 20 times forward earnings. I think the earnings growth is better for win. I think you have more of a loss, uh, more of a loss play, Vegas play with win. So in my opinion, it should trade at a premium to LVS. Time to vote now. Are you guys buying guys pitch on win? BK. Uh, I am. I say buy. It's a winner. And the big reason why actually is what Guy said. Now that Steve <laughs> Wynn is out of there, I think it clears it up a bit. You take that up. He'd stayed around. I think it would have been a problem. You see yeah, and by the way, Brian, Brian words. BK hates Very puns, too. It's so weird. It's Very so weird clever. How about you, Tim? Um, I'm going to have to sell that one, Guy. Oh. You're, you're, look, you're very mean to my Mets. Yeah. What's LG? Oh, let's go Mets. On, that's let's go Mets. Um, I think relative value, I'd rather own an LVS, uh, but don't insult my Mets on opening day. <laughs> You'll remember this. I you don't care guy about was, the Mets, so. I don't care about the Mets. Uh, uh, guy, you were smooth. I thought your delivery was fantastic. Your pitch, everything. I own this stock. I bought it again recently on the sell-off. I think the stock goes a lot higher into the 200s. All right. Two buys, one pass. Did guys pitch for a win that make you want to buy the stock yourself? Vote in our poll right now at CNBC. Okay, you sold it. Yeah. Um, Vote in our poll right now at CNBC Ah. Fast Money. We'll reveal the results later in the show. Plus, Facebook 
falling back into Wall Street's favor, seeing its best day in two years. One analyst says it could soar another 40% from here. He'll be here to tell us why. We are live at the Nasdaq Marquisite in New York City's Times Square. Do not go anywhere. More Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Facebook shares making a comeback today, but the road to redemption still looks kind of bumpy for the social media giant. Deidre Bose has got the latest from San Francisco. Hi, Deidre. Melissa, especially when more bumps keep turning up. Now, over just the last few hours, the investment advisor to New York City's pension funds is calling for changes to Facebook's board to address the fallout and restore investor confidence. Now, according to a letter from New York City's comptroller to one of Facebook's independent directors, the pension funds own $895 million worth of Facebook shares. But guys, while the scrutiny continues and more questions come up, Facebook is working to gain back trust, doing things over the last few days like streamlining privacy settings for users, shutting down a third-party ad targeting tool on the advertising front, and holding an on-record call with reporters earlier today to field questions on safety and security. On that call, which we were on, executives outlined the main areas of election security ahead of U.S. midterms such as combating foreign interference, removing fake accounts, increasing ad transparency, and reducing the spread of fake news. But a big question that has been weighing on the stock and still is and the rest of tech over the last few weeks is around regulation, when that could be coming and what it will ultimately look like. Now, an exclusive survey for CNBC by Reconnect Research finds that most Facebook users now support government regulation of personal data use on social media. That joins other calls for more regulation. Also in this survey, a majority think the platform will take steps to secure their data, but 84% of respondents, users were surveyed, said that they are more concerned about its security around data now than they were a year ago. Melissa, back to you. All right, Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa in San Francisco. And Facebook did rally with the rest of the market today, so uh, why don't we trade this? Do you think we're going to look back on today, Brian Kelly, and think mm -hmm. we've seen, we saw the low for Facebook this past week? Uh, for the next year, I don't, you know, no, I don't think so. Uh, but for the next, let's call it three weeks to three months, I think, yeah, I think we've had a lot of this washout. These houses, this is how stocks work, right? We don't know what's going on. Wow, we just got a panic. We don't know how to price it in. So possibly that has been washed out. You may get a, a chance for a trade here. Pete, I go to you because you're so optimistic about earnings season. For Facebook, when Facebook reports on that conference call, do you think you will walk out more optimistic about Facebook's immediate future or less optimistic? I think you probably would. I would walk out probably Or just more with a bunch of questions. A, a lot of questions still probably is my guess. But um, I, I do know that we, we all know this. They've been upping their security. They've, they've been talking about that for a long time. Was it good enough this time? No. Did they address everything the right way? No. So I think there will be some questions there, but they are spending money. I mean, their CapEx towards security has been big, and they've been absolutely growing in that area. But now they have to, they have to prove to us that we can trust them. Okay. Well, our next guest says uh, this might be your best bet to buy Facebook right now. So let's welcome in Yusuf Scully. He is the head of Internet and Digital Media Research at SunTrust. We have him here to make his bull case for Facebook. One thing that really stood out to me this morning uh, on your note, Yusuf, was that you say that regulatory action is unlikely. Why do you say that? Well, for a couple of reasons. So starting with um, stepping back, this is not only a Facebook problem. This is an endemic industry problem, right? Number two, it's true Facebook being the largest player has the most to lose, but ultimately has the most to gain. You can look at what's happening in Europe. GDPR, which is going to be instituted in May 25th of this year, I believe is going to be a good blueprint that's for... That's their privacy <clears throat> measures over in exactly. Europe. Exactly. Okay. That's, I think, yeah. is going to be a good blueprint for how U.S. regulators are going to look to um, 
more or less kind of regulate the industry, but I still think, considering the Europeans tend to be a lot more hands-on, I don't think we're going to go all that all So that if much you take it. what is going on in Europe in terms of their regulatory actions and what's going to take, take place there yeah. um, in the next month or so, and you put that in the U.S. business, how does that impact earnings? How does it impact revenue in your so, view? So interestingly enough, I don't think it will necessarily impact earnings. I think it may impact the company or the industry's growth in general. Because if you're an advertiser, the beauty of data is that it helps you optimize. The less data you have, the less optimization you can do, and therefore the less targeting you can do. And if you are less targeting, then therefore your return on investment is going to be lower, and so other channels may become more interesting. Maybe TV could become more interesting. I doubt it, right? So you step back and you say, all right, who has the most to gain? <clears throat> I think it's those companies that have the most first-party data. Facebook, by far, has the largest... They have an edge, in other words. They have a huge edge. And also, to your point, they also have the balance sheet to support um, a much stricter regulatory environment where they end up coming ahead. In other words, they have the balance sheet to spend in order to come exactly. into compliance. And if you look at estimates on the street, between 2017 and 2018, the assumption is you're going to see five to 600 basis point decline in margins, which is huge. It's over a billion dollars spent on these new initiatives. You don't think that that, do you think that that will come down further, uh, margins that is, as they spend more? I mean, when I hear from you that you think that if you put the regulations done in Europe, here in the United States, on the U.S. business. To that, a certain degree, to not To a certain degree, fine. That, that the growth of the industry is going to be curtailed to some respect. And then I also hear that Facebook is going to have to spend more. Right. Those, are, those two things are not good. True, but look at consensus. We're going from 45% growth last year to 34% growth this year. You're going from 65% EBITDA margin to 59% EBITDA margin. <clears throat> those are already baked into the street. I don't think you're going to see Facebook spending more. In fact, if, in fact, if anything, the CFO over the last three years has been very consistent, promising OPEX to be growing much faster than what they end up ultimately delivering. I think... At a worst case, he's going to just say true to his word, which is they're going to end up delivering the EPS that they have guided the street to. Yusuf, wasn't the last two weeks, <clears throat> I brought this up earlier, but it's relevant for Facebook, the wake-up call um, for folks on the centralized platform, the, the yes. parasite, right, yeah. that's been taking yes. all your data. Isn't that their biggest issue? I'm not worried about regulation. I'm not worried about the people that are leading their, their... I'm worried about the entire secular movement, possibly, towards that. Brian's spending a ton of time in crypto land. That's what they think is happening. What do you think? Well, I mean, what happened to Yahoo when they came and told us that there were over a billion people they had their data breached, right? What happened to Equifax when they came out and said 145 million, right? This isn't about a breach, though. This, I think this is ultimately about people not wanting to be the pawns on the, the, essentially the platform that allows Facebook to get rich and not them with their data. Well, it's a tight... Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's very hard kind of road to walk because on the one hand, you want your advertising to be very targeted to you. You want it to be relevant. You, wanna, you don't want to be spammed. On the other hand, you don't want people to know anything about you. You don't want these advertisers to know anything about you. I think the, the cat is already out of the bag. Data is the primary and sure. most right. important thing. I was at Shop Talk last week where there were 2,800 CEOs of primarily retail and e-tail. And they all only talked about data. Hmm. That was the biggest issue right. that they had. And so I right. don't think we're going to go back. I think this is an endemic to the industry. And I think they all, all the players need to come clean. 
Right. Facebook, again, has the wherewithal to do it faster and better than anybody, and ultimately they win. You look at the valuation, it's as cheap today as that it was when they had the mobile transition issue back in 2012, right after the IPO. So I think they win ultimately. Yusuf, thank you. Thanks for coming in. Yusuf Kelly of SunTrust. Well, since, uh, Tim, as you turn your phone off, uh, yeah. the data scandal broke earlier this week. Facebook has seen a surge in bearish activity in the options market. Let's get to Mike Coe in San Francisco to break it down. Hi, Mike. Hi there. So, yeah, the average daily put volume in Facebook prior to all of this controversy was about 105,000 put contracts a day. Since it has broken, though, that number has exploded. More like 383,000 puts traded a day. In fact, we've traded over 1.6 million in just the last five trading days. And the question a lot of people might be asking is, what strikes are people buying? And the most open interest in terms of puts in Facebook right now is concentrated around the $150 level. And in terms of expiration, it's June where most of that is concentrated. So that seems to be where people are targeting, although I think that can also ultimately create some layer of support there. All right, Mike, thanks for that. And a reminder, we are off tomorrow. Oh. So options action will be next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. You'll be okay, guy? Yeah. Uh, oh. we, we've got a news <laughs> alert on SpaceX. Let's get to Morgan Brennan in the newsroom. Morgan. Hey, that's right. So uh, federal regulators just authorizing SpaceX to provide broadband satellite services. This uh, just being published a few moments ago on the FCC's website saying it's the first approval of a U.S. licensed satellite constellation to provide broadband services using a new generation of low Earth orbit satellite technology. So SpaceX has proposed a satellite system comprised of 4,425 satellites. And uh, we're actually just getting a response from SpaceX as well. Um, they say they appreciate the FCC's thorough review and approval of SpaceX's Constellation license. This is a big deal for Elon Musk's wow. Absolutely. Uh, company. Back Morgan, thank you. Morgan Brennan. Um, it is your last chance, by the way, up next to vote oh. on whether or not you're buying Guy's Pitch for Win. Results right after this break. Stay tuned. Oh, sorry, Guy. You know that recently Guy went to Las Vegas. You know what he did? He listened to marathon session of Tony Braxton's Unbreak oh. My Heart. Because no one's buying his pitch. Sorry, guy. No That's one. That's what is. happens. 68% said no. Time for the final trade. Off. Pete. IBM. This thing's going higher. Giddy up. Tim. Happy Easter. Intel. Love that valuation. Love that company. Stay long. Peace. Well, the chip space, I still like Taiwan Semi. You get everybody in that one. And I would also mention Bitcoin below 7,000. Last time that happened was in February. Big spike down on volume, though, so this could be the washout. Whew. You okay? You're savoring the Tony Bradford. smell. Mad Money is up next. Happy Easter. <laughs> you seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.